0: Welcome to episode fifty-one. Could be a fun episode. Uh, so yesterday, Ty and I both started this little thirty-day challenge. How's your challenge going, Ty?
1: It's going good. I finished my workout at about ten thirty last night. And oh, oh, feeling good, feeling hydrated. How about you?
0: Nice. Yeah, I finished mine just after eleven o'clock, and then I went to check to see if my kids were all in bed, and my seventeen-year-old uh, and fourteen-year-old had disappeared. So I give them a call, I'm like, where are you guys? And I've got their location on my phone, and I can see that they're like, they're a good mile and a half away. Oh, yeah, we're just like, you know, four houses away. Oh, sure you are, kids. Sure you are. These kids. Uh These kids. Uh, Anyway, today's episode is going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about the number one strategy to 10X your business, you know, with these last five months of 2023 and finish it with a ton of momentum. So that's going to be our mastery topic and we've touched different uh, parts of this topic before but it's still so important i've got a cute little example of how apple actually used this strategy to grow significantly so going to be going to be a fun episode. You know, if you want to grow your business, if you're good where it is and you don't want to grow it and, and you know, everything's hunky-dory, then you can go ahead and, and just leave this episode right now because you're on a, a track that most of us aren't. So congratulations to you. But if you do want to grow your business and you want to learn this strategy, it is the key to us building an eight-figure business. So that's going to be our mastery topic.
1: Yeah, Leo. And then uh, for our money topic that... Uh excited to dive into we're gonna talk about good debt and bad debt Mm. and and dive into some examples and, and some explanations and talk personal debt and business debt and really just unpack it all and then more on that
0: story of debt we're going to talk about freedom there is definitely something real about freedom when it comes to eliminating bad debt in your life i don't usually i don't really feel bad about the good debt but the bad debt, it does weigh you down and you want to get rid of it. And we'll talk about uh, specifically a few steps I took when I was actually over $100,000 into bad debt uh, before starting you know, this business with you, Seven Figures Funding. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And for everybody out there who has bad debt, I mean, I think we've all been there at some point or stage. And so this is going to be really good you know, if you're in that position.
1: Yeah. And then our, our sports section, I know we did a whole hour plus on sports on on two or that was was that thursday i wow. oh, just last, that was Jeez, last that's crazy seems like a long time i know I, I mean know. a lot's happened. <laughs> it's wild but uh so we'll, we'll just quickly touch on something i i went back and listened to it i kind of liked it but i think i called the nfc east the nfc north at one point oh, and i forgot yeah, keenan yeah. allen's name so i was just ashamed with myself but uh today we're going to kind of shift gears and talk about college football and the pac 12 that that was, I guess it's it's gone. So it's pretty about much
0: what? imploded. It's dead yeah. for all intents and purposes, from what I can see. So yeah, yeah I'll be. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about BYU in Utah and how BYU might be laughing right now. So that's uh, it's actually hilarious if if, if we're being honest. I didn't see it coming. I mean, who who sees these things coming? It's
1: crazy. Yeah, I, uh, that we knew that TV situation was a mess. If if they didn't figure out the TV deal, something had to give, and and the fact that they were just so. The Pac-12 was run by by California ultimately, and, and oh no boy, shit, the Pac-12 what a surprise! <laughs> yeah, except they don't get the government bailout. So oh, there they oh, go. That's
0: unfortunate. Yeah, that's what happens when you're really in business. You get punished when you screw up like that, and clearly. They must have thought they were pretty special and couldn't get that deal done, and everybody left. So there we go. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right. So our topic today, our mastery topic that is headlining this podcast episode is the number one strategy to 10 x your business in 2023. And I think I'm going to add to that without spending a fortune. Because sometimes it can be easy, you know, if you got a bunch of venture capital funding two years ago, which a lot of companies did, and you know, you spend a bunch of money, you can 10 extra growth when you can just spend a fortune on marketing and bring people in and hire like 500 people, you might still be losing money, which most of them are, and that's why a lot of them have not uh, succeeded. But if you're doing it on your own, your own dollars, your own funding, your own credit, well, you're gonna be pretty careful with how to do that. And this strategy is one that really doesn't involve investing a lot of money. So what it is, is if you're looking to massively grow your business without spending a fortune, there's a few different ways uh, that you can do it, but of all the different strategies that I've tried over the you know 20 years of being an entrepreneur, I think this is without a doubt the most powerful strategy to make that happen. And what it is, is it's utilizing strategic partnerships, you know, like that dream 100 concept we've talked before where you connect up with someone, a group, an organization who already has your clients. They have not only a few dozen, but hundreds, maybe thousands of your clients. And you just need to be able to deliver value to that strategic partner so they want to send their clients to you. That takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of credibility. You're probably not going to do it with a really big partner at the beginning of starting your business, although it certainly has happened. But there's an example, and I've been reading this book, and it's called After Steve. And it's after uh, Steve Jobs' death in 2011. And it talks about how Apple uh has really grown since then and Apple has grown tremendously I think they've tripled in size certainly their market capitalization has gone from wherever it was like under a trillion I think it's two or three trillion like it's it's still probably the most profitable company in the world has so much cash, like hundreds of billions of dollars just sitting there just sitting there and the guy who was put in charge was Tim Cook an interesting guy Are, are you familiar with Tim Cook and his story? So this, this is going to catch you off guard. So Tim Cook grew up in a small town in Alabama, state of Alabama. And so in Alabama, you either you know are Roll Tide or you're an Auburn Tiger, right? Yeah. So he grew up, and I think he wanted to go to Alabama. I don't think they accepted him. Auburn did. So he is a massive Auburn Tiger college football fan. Interesting. Who would have thought? I had no idea so he loves the uh the Auburn Tigers that's where he grew up um super motivated chip on his shoulder you know coming from a small small town and eventually uh he works for different technology companies I think he worked for a computer company in the 90s and one of them he what he was really good at was logistics he he's a COO guy yeah Like he's an operator, you know, like you are. And so he just systems processes, really good at negotiating, making manufacturers pay less and making things work smoothly within a company. And he literally turned a company around and he's making like a million dollars a year, you know, doing really well with this company. And Apple and Steve Jobs comes knocking and you know he's thinking no no way and this is before apple was doing well yeah like steve jobs had just barely come back in the 90s because he was kicked out in the 80s comes back in the 90s to take over and anyway so he takes that job he eventually becomes the chief operating officer of apple which is a big deal steve didn't give c-level positions away almost ever i think that was the first time ever so that's how much he respected tim cook and then of course when steve uh, passes away in 2011 with pancreatic cancer tim cook takes over and immediately everybody's talking shit like oh apple's going down Apple's screwed because most companies struggle yeah when walt well, disney died disney went down right you yep. can look at all these different uh, examples of when the founder dies uh things can go downhill pretty pretty quickly and so apple was having some their growth had slowed their iphone sales didn't look good and so tim cook's like all right we're kind of selling a lot of iphones in america And Europe, where else can we sell iPhones that there's a lot of people? And he's like, oh, shit, there's like a billion people in China. (laughs) So, but how is he going to get into China? It's number one, you have to jump through all the government hoops. And then after that, like, how are you actually going to get out there to all the people in China? Well, he identified the biggest cell phone company, uh, not in making cell phones, but just offering cell phone service. And it was called China, China Mobile very very unique name yeah and uh so he for for six years he worked to build a strategic relationship eventually in 2014 they do this partnership and it blows up and he sells like hundreds of millions of phones with that strategic partnership and earlier today we're on a call with a strategic partner who's huge and we'll keep it private but let's just say that this company was founded by a really well-known entrepreneur who's blowing up right now you're probably seeing his videos on YouTube all the time. And this is his company that he started, that he founded and a huge company and they need help with funding. The partner they were using kind of uh, changed everything and messed it up for them. And so it's a huge opportunity for us to be able to do it. So as you think about strategic partnerships, what do you feel like the keys are to actually landing those relationships?
1: Yeah, the the first key with it, Leo, is, is to come into that relationship with value, right what can you do for this strategic partner before you're ever talking about what they can do for you essentially you, you've got to scratch their back first and even even before that the the key I, I think a lot of people have a hard time detecting their strategic partners saying you know they I've had people say this to me well ty it's it's super easy for your company you're a funding company, and there's all sorts of businesses out there that have clients that need money so it's easy to say strategic partners and what you do. But then again, right now, Leah, we we just invested in a flooring company. We're pretty hands off, right? We're not doing any of the work or anything. That's not our expertise. But we're already even, again, this is a brand new day one flooring company. And we've already detected strategic partners, right? We found Matt is talking with a, a group that does, is it called home restoration when they the disaster clean yes. up essentially. Yes. so we're already Huge. starting to detect these different partners and some people get get so they get tunnel vision on on who can bring these these leads to them when in all reality you kind of need to open your mind think a little bit broader because every single business i dare say every single business oh, no has strategic partners you're just not thinking about it the right way 100% because most people start a business and they're like ah, i'm going to go spend
0: a fortune on facebook ads or whatever And that is expensive. There's a baptism by fire. And you could flush 10 grand down the toilet and not make a dime. Versus if you find some good strategic partners, all it takes is that effort to land that strategic partner. And that can make you hundreds of thousands of dollars in new sales, new clients and customers. And you're exactly right. You start that relationship off with, how can I deliver value to you? How can I add value to what you're doing? How can I serve your clients better? How can what I do, you know, really help your business and, and you know, when legal, maybe there should be some affiliate uh, commissions and paybacks to that strategic partner. And so everything should be about how can I deliver more value to you, your business, your customers and clients. And when you come with that mindset, it stands out so much because it's it's like when you go it's like the theory we always talk about when you go see a doctor and the doctor's like oh they, he doesn't even ask about you and he just prescribes some medicine and sends you on your way and like bro you don't even know what's wrong with me you didn't even ask yeah and so when you start that relationship off with asking about them what's going on with their business how can you help where are the challenges you know where did uh, your where did competitors who were serving them before fall short now you show that you're trying to really diagnose their challenges, their obstacles. And then again, it's not rocket science. They'll tell you what the problems are and you can present the solutions. And that's a huge key. And there's no quicker way to really grow your business without spending a fortune other than connecting up with strategic partnerships, delivering value. They already have your clients. So it's like, who has your clients? where are they congregating? Are they, you know, with some uh, training group that, that helps them grow? Is there a marketing agency that works with a lot of that business type, you know, within your your space or profession, and identifying where they're at, and then connecting up and delivering value. That is the key to
1: massive 10 growth. You know, what's interesting too, is sometimes your competitors are your best partners. And what I mean by that is, is you look at them and you think they're competitors, but in all reality, their niche is just a little bit different. And there's a ton of overlap where you can work together. Again, I'll use the flooring one as an example, because the funding business is so easy to find uh, strategic partners. Uh, Another group we're talking to, we met at at one of those meetings the other day, they promote that they're a flooring company. We're like, oh, great, here we go. We're we're competing. We're going to be going for the same leads, the same people. Well, it turns out all they do is carpet. And guess what carpet's the only thing we don't do and so we made a strategic partnership where they go into people come to their site and say hey i want laminate i want wood i want this well guess what now we get all of their leads and anyone that needs carpet we send them their way so don't be afraid to talk to your part your your quote competitors, because oftentimes your competitors have your leads and you have theirs, you just need to make that connection.
0: That's huge. And that's kind of approaching it with an abundance mindset that there's enough business for everybody. And there's something that we do different and you do different that we can exchange business and mutually benefit. And that that is so true in so many spaces. And there's always something uh, to learn oftentimes from competitors. And so I think that's a great approach to take. No question about it because usually you think that and then it but if you come in open-minded and dig deeper, oh actually we do serve different and we can send clients back and forth and together we can all benefit and grow. And that's abundance versus scarcity mindset. So great great share on that time. All right guys, let's jump into topic number 2. This is our money topic. Good debt versus bad debt, according to our friends at investopedia.com. Thanks, Investopedia. Really appreciate it. So here's what they say in terms of bad debt. Bad debt is high interest loans such as those from payday lenders or credit cards are examples, but can make sense in particular circumstances. A loan is generally considered to be a bad debt if you are borrowing to purchase a depreciating asset. I'm going to read that again. A bad debt is when you buy something that Goes down in value, okay, perfect. Well, let's look at some examples of things that go down in value. Sometimes we buy cars. Generally speaking, they're gonna go down in value. We can buy consumer goods, even electronics, right? Computers, all these TVs, things like that. Don't wanna buy that on debt if we can afford it because it's gonna go down in value. It's going to depreciate, be worth less. Same thing with clothes, consumables. Uh, And all these, uh, how many times do you now buy something online, Amazon, wherever it is, and oh, pay later? Or oh, break it into payments?
1: Oh, all the time. All the time. It's dangerous. And (laughs) what are those interest rates that they're charging? Usually they always get you with like no interest for a few months. months. And in your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll just get this paid off. And then you Uh think, oh, you know what? It's only a few hundred bucks a month. It's easy. I'm just going to leave it here. And before you know it, you're, paying 20% annually over the next 3 years and can get out of hand real quickly. 100%. I remember
0: oh my word. I remember this was like over a decade ago when I'm bankrupt and broke and I I got like a credit card for a Dell computer. Yeah, Dell, not a great computer. Yeah. Anyway, got a got a computer <laughs> card. I swear I was paying on that thing for five. I probably paid for it five times.
1: Yeah, I yeah. believe it. You probably so, did.
0: That's an example, my friends, of bad debt. So let's move on to examples of good debt. Perfect. So borrowing to invest in a... And this is from Investopedia. Yeah. So Investopedia says, if you borrow to invest in a small business, that's good. Borrow to invest in education. We're going to define education for you. Borrow to invest in real estate is generally considered good debt because you are investing the money you borrow in an asset that will... Go up in value. There we go. Because if you build a business, it can increase in income and value. In fact, in my experience, I don't think anything other than investing in yourself and educating yourself about business skills and entrepreneurship that is a great investment college can be a good investment oftentimes it can be a bad investment most of the time we see young kids 18 19 years old 50 hundred thousand dollars student loan they have no idea what they want to do they go and they get a degree in you know french literature and poems in the 1700s well there's only like you know uh, just a dozen of those jobs around the country it's going to be tough for that one to come out on top
1: yeah, the, the only thing I'd add to this, I, I actually am shocked that Investopedia, that was the first thing it says, investing yeah, in small I'm, business. I'm kind of impressed. Good yeah. job, Investopedia. The uh, the only other thing I would add is they say investing in, or putting money, purchasing a depreciating asset, unless that depreciating asset is making you more productive. Yes. That is the outlier, right? The, the new flat screen TV, when I already have one, that's a bad debt. That is a bad purchase. But You know if you're sitting with an old nokia flip phone and you decide to invest in an iphone that's going to make you significantly more productive yes it's a depreciating asset but it's still probably a good debt so that you can get that phone and be more productive and and uh, do your job better so i i would say the only thing i'd add to that is unless that depreciating asset is making you more productive or is making you money
0: and even that computer that i was getting raped on oh getting violent you know screwed on sorry youtube um (laughs) Even that, it did make me more productive. It did increase my income, and so that—that's a great, great, great point. And same thing, like you—you you need a car to get from point yeah. A to point B and you know putting all that cash towards a car isn't the best thing either those those rates and payments are usually pretty affordable so getting a car loan you know typically makes sense is it a depreciating asset yes it is but i just say anytime you're you're going into debt to buy other stuff that doesn't generate income versus you know other than a business a car and a house it probably doesn't make sense unless it's increasing productivity and it's, it's a tool,
1: right? Yeah, it's the, a tool for your business. The mistakes we see with the cars, Leo, because cars are necessary. And not everyone has 20, 30, 40, $50,000 to yeah. go put into the vehicle right away. The mistakes I see with cars is the pre-approval process is kind of broken. The pre-approval process is Very always going to say you can afford way more than you realistically can. So the mistake people make with cars is, Oh, I've got to have a car. It's a depreciating asset, but I got to have yeah. it when, they could go out and get a perfectly fine car within their budget and their their affordability range of you know four or five hundred dollars a month, but they go spend nine hundred to a thousand. That's the big mistake people make with vehicles. And with interest rates increasing, I believe the average car payment in
0: America went from like five hundred to seven hundred. Wow. And so even more now than ever, you need to be really careful about getting an affordable car payment because otherwise, just that's just money you're throwing away thousands of dollars a year that could be invested that could be going towards your business and uh, generating returns so really important when we're talking about good debt versus bad debt I think and we've it, got something do you know. we have a, qu- a comment what, or what do we got Jillian that's absolutely
1: yeah. I absolutely. and that's I would I mean I'd consider that a business I mean that is a hundred percent it's business, business. yeah, yeah. it's a business debt absolutely it's a great point. You put a car on Turo; it's making you money.
0: You have to have the car to do DoorDash deliveries, Uber, Lyft. It's a business expense, and it's making your business work. That's productivity. That's that. And is at just that point, fine. you can write off that depreciating asset. So. Exactly, exactly. Before that, you couldn't. So yep. fantastic, great point, Casey. Great share. All right, let's move to our freedom topic, which is the best strategies to eliminate bad debts. And, and this is interesting. Uh, this, this was uh, an article. Where was this article here? It's on, oh, it's on bank rate. So very interesting. This is bank rate. Uh, you know, we just we did Investopedia. I like what Investopedia said. Let's see if we like what bank rate says. So bank rate says, all right, so if you're going to eliminate bad debts, they say, number one, pay more than the minimum payment, et cetera, et cetera. You know what people struggle with? They they have to take out a credit card. Maybe they have to pay a medical expense or whatever it is. Even if they took it out for the business, right? Which is fine. You took it out for the business. You're generating a good return. But then you make the mistake of just making the minimum payment. As the balance goes down, the minimum payment goes down, and so you don't actually pay more to principal.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think people sometimes think that that minimum payment is a set number of you know a hundred bucks a month, where it's not. It's typically two to three percent of the balance, and so as you make a payment the balance goes down which means that two to three percent is a lesser number and and people don't realize that so you need to be going in and and changing the payment or doing an additional payment exactly obviously the more payment you can do and pay
0: towards principal the quicker you're going to pay off that bad debt which is super important and i think I think one of our biggest issues, one of my biggest issues as I look back in my history financially is not delaying gratification, right? Just buying that thing just because I could afford it, which is not what you want to do. Um, One of the things uh, Patrick David talks about is when you can afford something, wait an extra year before you actually, you know, take it take out the loan or buy it or whatever it is whether it's a you know a home a car a boat I mean wait that extra year cars are, are running longer and longer than ever so delay your gratification and if you have a bunch of bad debt then I think it's even more important to delay your gratification oh I want to go on that you know four or five thousand uh, dollar cruise on the Caribbean you know with my wife husband and spouse partner no no bro no girl you need to wait And you need to pay that bad shit off first then you can go on that cruise and i don't want you going on the cruise or doing anything and especially when that money should be going towards paying off
1: high interest debt that is eating you alive which is so interesting because i I, and i don't think that everyone feels this way which is even more bizarre to me but i've i remember i was like 20 years old and i had a little bit of credit card debt my first card ever was like my uh it was a costco and it was American Express back then. It wasn't oh, City. I that's don't know right. if it people was Amex back that. In the day, yeah. That was my very right. first ever credit card, and I got a little wild, you know, went and bought a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then my buddies all say, "Hey, we're going on this cruise." And I'm like, "Oh man, I already have all this credit card debt, but I can go aerate more lawns or sell more or whatever I was selling at that point." So I'm like, "Screw it, let's let's do it." So I throw the cruise on my credit card, and I remember thinking like sitting there on that cruise, not really being able to fully enjoy it and being so like oh, yeah. stingy about what I was doing because I was already stressed about the debt going into it. Whereas if you delay that gratification and do it from a, a point of financial stability, you can actually go enjoy yourself. Oh, I, I don't know how people do that. Yeah, i know you can go on all those excursions which is
0: the fun right if you're on the ship the whole time you're missing out on a lot of stops and and meeting the people and doing the awesome activities and you're exactly right so that's why it's so important to if you want to succeed financially delay your gratification right now i'm trying to teach my 14 year old son marcus this he's uh he's successfully doing a car detailing business right now and And so I was talking the other day. Oh, how much money I made! I made one hundred fifty dollars in one day. I'm so proud of you. That's great, fantastic. And I monitor his bank account, and his bank account doesn't seem to make any progress. (laughs) It goes up, and then it comes down further. It goes up. It just—it's not making progress, my dude. You got to start delaying your gratification. Stop just because you made some money spending it. Start making a rule that you're not going to spend fifty percent of your money and let it build up because if you keep on spending it, you'll never be able to start that business. You'll always, you'll never be able to get ahead. Like you have to be able to delay your gratification. We have this YOLO mentality, you only live once thing going on. And yeah, YOLO, that's great. And because it's YOLO, let's live our life right. Let's delay our gratification so we can actually save money, go on that cruise, enjoy it, because otherwise you'll just become a slave to that bad debt. Now, interestingly, talked about the, the snowball method from Dave Ramsey, shout out to Dave. And this is basically, let's say you have four uh, bad debts of 20, 15% interest. Well, pay off the smallest one first, then the next smallest. And then you start using all that money that you use to pay the other two to pay off the next one, the next one, and boom, all this, what you snowball, you kill it. So that is a, a great strategy. Um, now, there was something interesting that they, they put on this. Oh, I, I know what it was. I know what it was. Um, so they're like, okay, you should refinance your debt. Cool. One of the strategies we utilize with clients every single day is they come to us with like 20 grand maxed out cards. If you're paying 20% interest on that, you're paying $4,000 a year in interest a year. And so if we can help you move that over to 0% interest accounts, now the mistake most people make is they think they'll qualify. You're, you're going to have to pay those card balances down first, but you can move all that debt over to 0% interest to literally save $4,000 a year, $6,000 over 18 months because some of these accounts are 0% for 18 months. That's a great strategy when you
1: understand what it takes to qualify. So I like that. And then... You know what else I've seen yeah, work along, along those lines where you know, maybe you you are pretty maxed out and you can't qualify for new funding and all of your debt is held on 25% interest on, let's just say this Capital One card, whereas you have a Bank of America card sitting with no balance, even though it's a 25% APR as well, you can call Bank of America and say, hey, you know, I've got all this debt over here. I want to move it over. I can pay it off over the next year. Will you give me like a, an incentive period or a better rate to do a to execute a balance transfer they want that debt they want to hold that debt so they'll say yeah sure we'll send you a check with zero percent for 12 months move all that money over and and get it paid down people these these credit cards want that debt they will do that Mm -hmm. for you you just have to make the call yeah, I like uh, City's good at that, Discover's
0: good at that, Capital One are really good at that, where they'll give you a 0% interest offer, and then you just take, all right, I'm paying 20% over here, I'll take the new 0% over here, and then all those payments now go to rewards principal, and you're knocking that debt down without paying any interest. That's just that's what we call smart money
1: strategies, and that's a big value bomb, tie just dropped with you guys. People always think it has to be a new credit card. It doesn't. You can call them and negotiate that brilliant. Utilize your
0: assets that are lazy assets right now, those cards just sitting there and use those 0% offers. And then you know what happens? People like do their taxes and they get like a tax refund. And this is exactly what we're talking about. You know, you've got $10,000 in bad debt and you just got a $5,000 refund and you can A, pay down half of your debt and really be on your way to getting rid of bad, bad, crappy debt or you go on the cruise and i think 9 times
1: out of 10 most people go on the cruise. Yeah, which is so weird because you'll you'll feel good, you'll have fun maybe if you're not scared of debt for 5 6 days on the cruise, but getting out of debt you can feel good every single day and it's just it, it's so backward. So yeah, i again, you have to be disciplined enough to recognize that debt and recognize what being debt free actually feels like and just make it happen. Accountability. Like yeah
0: think if your parents didn't hold you accountable growing up and you know, it, and you're like, damn, I needed my, I needed my butt spanked a few more times. Sometimes you have to spank yourself, say, (laughs) sorry, I'm not going on that cruise. I got to pay off that bad debt and so forth. Now, one of the strategies that Bankrate put in there, that was one of their last strategies. It says settle for less than you owe. Yay. Ty, what happens if I call up bank of America and I owe 10 grand and I pay four back and they say, okay, you know, we're going to eliminate the debt, but what happens?
1: your credit will absolutely tank and you'll never be able to work with Bank of America again, period. And how long is that going to weigh on my credit? At least seven years just with the collection. But yeah. as we have seen, okay, it has to come off your credit in seven years, but Bank of America is never going to forget that. And so you're killing your relationships with different lenders. A hundred percent. Not only
0: okay, great, I saved $6,000 with Bank of America, but because I have that negative account, my score is going to stay down 40 or 50 points lower than it would have for the next seven to 10 years, which means I'm going to be paying probably tens of thousands of dollars in additional interest and so that's fool's gold where you think you made progress you didn't that negative account is going to stay on there forever they're never going to take it off for at least a decade and it's going to keep you from qualifying for better rates on mortgages car loans business or even actually keep you from even getting funding in the first place for three to five years after that it is one of the worst things you can do and so all these debt relief companies are debt bullshit companies and I would run away and at the end of the day there's really one foolproof way to kill your debt and that's to increase your income and then use that increased income to pay off the bad debts not to go spend it on more stuff and so I really feel like that's the key what do you think about that strategy of you know because everybody just focuses how many ads do we see about budget 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 well after you've budgeted there's only a little bit of money left over to pay your bad debts. You've got to make more money
1: yeah absolutely and and what's crazy is what just a little bit more money can do when it comes to paying off bad debt and paying off credit cards, like literally jumping in and driving Uber, doing doordash uh turrowing out your vehicle i We are you know we're here about thirty minutes south of Salt Lake City, and we have an employee that lives about fifteen minutes north of Salt Lake City, and I was talking to him the other day, hey, I guarantee you. There are all sorts of people every day that need to get from Lehigh to Salt Lake City. You should get set up with, uh, what's it called, Uber, Uber yeah, and Uber. see if you, you've got to drive past the airport every single day anyway. Why don't you just jump on Uber and pick someone up and drop them off, and now you've paid for all your fuel plus part of your car payment. It's, it's little things like that. You don't, you don't have to go get another job and work from nine to five, and then again from six to 11. You don't have to do that. Just find little ways to supplement that income and it'll make a huge difference exactly right and then when you get
0: home at night there's so many different businesses that you can work 24 hours a day whether you're doing some online reach out to help someone with financing or marketing or whatever side hustle you can start and you can do that from 9 p.m to like 10 30 p.m every night are you going to sacrifice watching some uh, TV with your spouse partner yeah you are and but you're going to be so much happier when you do and you can make more money and kill that bad debt and eliminate it and then now you can actually start saving money to invest and that's when everything changes when you can create new income streams because you're saving to invest
1: and that, my friends, the, is there's one that I'll they go. left out, Leo, Ooh, which got. which we do a lot and it's called a credit partner. Oh, I like right. That. This yeah. is another really, really good way to eliminate bad debt. If you have someone that believes in you and trusts you and wants to help you out, um, if you're completely maxed out and over leveraged and your credit's really bad. Well, what if you have a spouse that's not in that situation? That spouse has good credit and can go through and set up a few new zero percent interest accounts you can now then transfer your debt over to those and still take the responsibility and actually pay them. But you're paying straight principal now instead of 25% interest. And so I've seen people do this all the time, just nature of what we do. I see parents come in and do it. I see spouses, I see friends, I see business partners. Um, granted, yeah, they, they do have to get some more funding. They do have to kind of put their credit out there. But if it's going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars, and and they believe you're responsible enough to actually make those payments, it's worth the ask. And sometimes it's
0: easier for them to, you know, say, okay, you can take out a new 0% account to kill your debt versus, hey, uh, mom, dad, I need $10,000 hard cash to pay off my bad debt, and then I'll pay you
1: back. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a tougher ask. I mean, if you're paying 25% interest, offer to pay them 10. Mm -hmm. And it's a win-win. That's the whole scratch, scratch their back first mentality. So make it a win for them. I like that. All right. Well, that uh, that concludes the uh, the money topic. So let's let's dive into oh, sports. Boy, what <laughs> in the hell is going on? What happened to the Pac-12 tie? Well, I, I mean, ultimately, I from what I'm seeing is it comes down to that that TV deal situation and what they were able to pay these schools to be mm-hmm. able to you know to keep them in that Pac-12 and to keep it strong which it's so interesting as if these schools don't have enough money, just their endowments alone are are ridiculous. You know what
0: Harvard's endowments at? I think it's like $150 billion. Oh
1: my gosh. Uh,
0: Like, yeah, it's $150 billion. And these are somehow like nonprofits that don't pay taxes that have these massive endowments and they continue like the price of education has increased 1200% in the last 30, 40 years. And the, the, cost of housing has gone up like 250 percent and obviously has the value of education gone up no it has not and so i'm just happy they're finally compensating athletes
1: yeah no i i agree it's it's been writing it, it had to happen right it, it was getting to that point where they were going to go off and do their own thing anyways if, if they didn't start to pay these players um but ultimately the the ripple effect of the the big dogs right you look at usc and, and ucla right there in la southern california decide you know what it's time to make the move we're going big 10 and so for a while there was like all right well that kind of sucks usc ucla are out but two biggest markets exactly pac-12 by far oh absolutely i I mean you think pac-12 you think usc even though they haven't gotten that championship in a while you still people hear big uh, pac-12 they think usc and with usc and ucla gone they were still going to, I mean, San Diego State was going to come on board. They were going to make it happen. But ultimately, it got to the point where this money and this TV deal was getting so bad. And, and there was just so much distrust where it was like, okay, Oregon and Washington now want to jump out. Oregon and Washington are going to go ahead and leave to the Big uh, Big Ten as well. So now it's like, okay, we're down to the, the Pac-8. And Uh-oh. four of the biggest names here are gone. Like, we're barely better than the Mountain West at this Uh-oh. point what's going to happen. And you've got some big names left, right? You've got Arizona, who's one of the yes. best basketball schools big in market, the nation. Yeah. You've got Utah, who has just been BCS buster over the last decade. They've been going to Rose Bowls. They've been winning the Pac-12. Like, that Like is a very, very strong program. You've got Arizona State, and they're all sitting here thinking, what What on earth is going on? We deserve to be in a, a good, strong conference, and a good, strong conference that can give us 30 40 million dollars a year because of all of the tv viewers that we're bringing to the okay. table this is bullshit we're out and the i don't think they they could have gone to the big 10 they obviously acc doesn't make a lot of sense because then you're you're traveling over there the the, East across the country yeah, that's tough so the big 12 you you look at this and the big 12 extended offers and within literally minutes. Like you I, I saw the video of the Utah board. They all yeah, come together. Fast. Anybody uh this is the proposition. Anybody reject? No. Okay, good, done. They they like hit the table and they're yeah, in the pack twelve like that. Or sorry, the uh the big twelve like that. Yeah, but it just raises. It makes sense. You look at it now, the yeah. big twelve West and the big twelve east. It it Yep. I love it. I honestly it's love cool. what it's it's kind of shifting more to an NFL type. It feels You've like it yeah. Four power conferences and each conference is going to have an east and a west and a champion yeah. and then yeah. you'll have uh i think they're still expanding the playoff though right they're, yes yes so, i
0: think so yeah we've got uh four um is it going to eight or is it I, going to, i think it, to it six. is
1: going to yeah eight. i think it's going to eight yeah, yeah i i don't awesome. follow college football as much but i i do love this and i think that I quit following college football because of the way it was set up it was getting it was getting boring to me i think this is going to really i agree even the playing field making it a little bit more exciting these big huge conferences and whoever wins them
0: i mean it's going to be a big deal and those are going to be really good teams and bcs and all that stuff and and so then it's super interesting because in utah like a decade ago or however long it was ago when utah joined the pac 12 like that was a super big deal and byu was kind of left holding the bag and what's be and then they went independent and then uh, a couple years ago byu joins the big 12 and now utah was left holding the bag, oh, so now they're be- they're over so it's kind of funny byu and utah coming back together in the big 12 going to be playing in football and
1: basketball and it's uh did it's you gonna be fun. did you see the office clip that ksl posted Yeah, I did. So if if any of you out there watch The Office, obviously Michael Scott. um, He's coming into the meeting room, and everyone's eating cake. And every single person, like Jim, has the Oregon State logo. And they all have different logos over their head. And Michael Scott has the big BYU one, and he walks in. And and what's-her-name says, you know, should I take Toby a a piece of cake? And Michael's like, yeah, that's funny. Toby's gone, because Michael hates Toby. He can't stand him. And so jim's like no toby's back he's like ha funny that's hilarious and then he's like go go see for yourself and he's like yeah whatever and, and he walks out there and toby's not in his desk so michael's like yeah funny again this is the byu logo funny you uh made me walk all the way out here and then he turns around and toby's right in front of him and he starts doing the, the, the no no he like no. starts freaking out because <laughs> uh utah's had byu's number for what <laughs> Yeah, BYU guys, the most hey, recent wins. They so did get the last one. You guys stay in your lane, Utah. But, uh, uh, yeah, they've had our number for, what, 12 years or so? so. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited. The only thing that I would like better, people are always like, we've got to go to the, the NFL style, the NFL format of two conferences and then divisions within mm-hmm. those conferences. But the problem is the schools like Utah State uh the, the schools like utah state and colorado state and air force they just don't exist anymore if you go to something like that their programs cannot compete on that level what i think they need to do is more i've, I've heard people talk about this like the premier league where you can get promotions oh i and get love promotion. that so yes i i think cool. a, a concept like that is what just because of how many teams that's there a are great that, idea. that's what they ought to do but uh I don't know. We'll so see. for
0: everybody that doesn't follow soccer, and uh, my 14-year-old soccer player was educating me on this. So in Europe, they, yeah, they have a Premier League team. And so if your team does well enough in a lower tier league, and you win, you can make it to the Premier League for the next two or three years or whatever it ends up being, and so that's awesome. That's a great incentive for some of these smaller, <laughs> lower tier schools where they could play really well,
1: and they can make it to one of these Premier League conferences with a good season. That's, that's And every single season matters, because because if you don't perform, then you're getting demoted, kicked back down yeah. to a lower league. I, Ooh, I, I think college that. football That's would be great. fantastic that for doing be something good. like that. it cool. uh,
0: probably won't. Now go figure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take thirty seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the 7 Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your debt worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.